and welcome to One to Grow One, a show where we dig into questions about agriculture and try to understand how food production impacts us and our world. My name's Hallie Casey, and I studied and currently work in agriculture. And I'm Chris Casey, Hallie's dad. Each week, we pick an area of agriculture or food production that confuses a lot of people and try to get Hallie to explain it. This week, we're focusing on floral design, which doesn't sound that confusing, quite frankly, but hey, whatever. Look, listen up. A lot of people are confused about floral design, and I know this as someone who knows some things about floral design. It drives me crazy when people don't know what's up, so we're going to address that. Okay, are you ready to learn about floral design? I mean, come on. You put some flowers in a jar, and it looks pretty. What's to know? Oh, my God. I mean, seriously. Like, I see vases at at the freaking grocery store. If they can do it at the grocery store, you know, anyone can do it. I mean, no. my mom did it. She was great at it. I and, know. But she always had a ready supply of cut flowers in her backyard. Yeah, she did. So I just thought, you know, she went out and got some. Oh, boy. And she put them in like a little tiny vase or one of the five million uh you know little crystal things that she had for containing flowers and they looked pretty and that's that's what there is that's what it is that's floral design boom <laughs> episode over did you know that i used to do floral design i mean like as a job yeah i used to work at a florist wait did you know what that? when did you work at a florist how did i not know this in high school i'm i'm really yeah. Maybe I knew that at the time and just sort of forgot. I don't know. Catherine also forgot. I asked Catherine when we were researching this. She also forgot. I also took a class on floral design in, in college. I didn't know there was such a thing as a college credit floral design class. Where do you think people learn floral design? I think they just get flowers and arrange them until they look uh, nice. Nope. Incorrect. There are real principles involved when you design flowers. Oh boy. Floral design has existed for a really, really long time and it's always kind of meant something different or had some kind of meaning or art form associated with it. But like now in modern day, there are very strict rules to floral design. There's like ways that you do things because you're using design principles like line and color and texture and things like that. Okay. So for this episode, I thought I would kind of start off with some of the history of floral design. And if you have any questions along the way... You can let me know, and then we'll kind of talk about some of the modern aspects of floral design and how, like, floral production works here in the 21st century. Okay, so you said history of floral design. So how did all this... I didn't know there was... I mean, flowers have been around, you know, presumably longer than people, but... Presumably. I assume, you know, evolution and whatnot. But no one was there to record whether or not flowers were there. So I'm, you know, just kind of assuming. fossils were there. Okay, well, do we have flower petal fossils? Okay. So in order to have fruits, you got to have flowers, Dad. So oh. if human beings <laughs> evolved, they were eating something. Well, okay. And we know they were eating fruits? We do. Yeah, we know that. Okay. Yeah, we do. Also, like, we also understand when angiosperms, like, evolved. So we also know when flowers, like, first came on the scene because of, like, evolutionary history of angiosperms, which is the kind of plant that has flowers. Oh. Little knowledge nuggets. Yeah. There you go. Okay. So floral design. It's been around yes. a while. Mm-hmm. 
It has, yeah. So it's existed for a really, really long time. In most cultures, you have some form of floral design, and always art is intertwined with floral design. The floral design that we see recorded will reflect like the themes that we see in art. So like whether it's patriotism or like religion, like in the Middle Ages, or you know order or aestheticism or whatever these themes are that are in like paintings and statues, we also see those reflected in floral design. Really. Yes, yeah. So we have records of floral design from like paintings and tapestries. So we are able to compare these things, and it's yeah, it's it's been a huge part of many cultures. So you're talking about like a little bouquet of flowers mm-hmm. could have a theme of、uh, could be a patriotic bouquet of flowers. We're not just talking about like some roses arranged in the shape of the flag or whatever. No, totally. Yeah, totally. In France, when Napoleon came into power, he was like very all about like masculine floral arrangement and like patriotic floral arrangement. Before that, it was like really flowery,、um, like baroque, rococo, kind of like nice, like light and airy floral design. And then Napoleon came on the scene, and he's like, "We're going to use lines. We're going to use red, white, and blue because we're French." And it was like all very focused around like reflecting the the spirit of like France and war and patriotism. So yeah, it's, there's there's you know messages conveyed with with floral design. Wow. Okay, I had no idea. Yeah, and for a lot of places, it was very tied in with religion. So, like in ancient Egypt, they created like temple offerings with floral design, and they were often very like simplistic patterns, which was just like one or two different species repeated over and over again in like in geometric lines.、Uh, in China, it, it, for a long time, it was very prestigious to be a florist because, like in Buddhism and Taoism and Confucianism, flowers and life serve a huge role, and so. There was a lot of offerings and, and floral design in general was a huge part of religious life there. In the Middle Ages, like monks were all about floral design in England, and it was just like we got to put flowers in this church, and no one else can have flowers because it was the Middle Ages, and that's what they did. They were like everything is about the church, but yeah, it, sometimes it's it's religion, sometimes it's status. Like in Rome. They were really focused around status, so you had things like the olive wreaths that we see now, and you had a lot of exotic flowers being brought in to show off like how expensive of flowers you could get. There's this whole history of like the Dutch tulip trade, which was all about status and was super wild. Ah,、uh, I've seen the Dutch tulips; those are pretty great. Gotta say, no, no, no. There's like this crazy history where like it used to be that wealth. Was in like the Dutch tulip trade that was like fundamental to. I mean, it's still a huge part of GDP in the Netherlands, but for a long time it was like a major, major economic driver, and people would spend thousands and thousands of dollars or whatever the equivalent was in like this period in the Netherlands on just like a tulip bulb. Wow. Yeah, and it was like a huge, huge status thing. So. Like earlier, when you're talking about ancient Egypt and you're talking about temple offerings and and、yeah. simple and repeated patterns, I'm thinking, okay, the the plants are what the people offer if they can't afford, you know, food or actual money. No, not always. No, but it's like a, a legit offering or something. Yeah, no, it's it's like a real thing, especially、uh, especially in like China and Japan. There was a huge Buddhist influence in those cultures, and in Buddhism, like. Flowers and life is huge, and like the taking of life is very sacred. And 
So being a, a floral designer and like going out and cutting a flower off is like a huge privilege to have. So it was like very, very high status job to, to be a floral designer for like these temples. And what what drives this? Is this just because we look at flowers and we go, oh, that's that's pretty or what's uh, I don't know what's going on here. I don't I'm not getting it. I mean, w- what drives art? Like, okay, floral so it's design a, is very much an art here. It's an art thing, which explains why I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, I think there is something very specific about having something that you you can see now and then will die. Like, I think there's something beautiful in that, similar to the way that there's, like, something beautiful in theater, where you make something amazing and inspiring and just beautiful that is ephemeral and that will come and that will leave. Yeah, but it's also disappointing when it's gone. I mean, do you feel that way about theater? Absolutely. Really? Oh, I don't. I really uh, don't. I think there's something so special about it. I mean, I do a show, and uh, either either I'm sort of like, oh, man, I, I missed that show, and I want to go back, and I want to see these people, and I want to do more. Or I finish a show, and I'm just, I'm tired, and mm. I'm done, yeah. and I'm I'm ready to relax a little bit. Yeah. I guess that's true. I guess it's more like seeing theater. Maybe putting floral arrangements together for like an event or something would be more similar to performing theater. But the act of like receiving and and viewing and experiencing a floral arrangement, I think in many ways is very similar to experiencing theater. I can see, I I, can see that kind of, yeah. Trying to put myself in the mindset. And you said Mm -hmm. it was like a, a status symbol. Uh, I mean, I, you know, knew about olive wreaths, of course, because I mean, that's, that's like the little thing on their heads, right? Yes. yes. Julius Caesar had the little, the little olive wreath on his head, but he also said, you know, exotic flowers is kind of like the, uh, the Italian sports car of, of the Roman times. Yeah. I mean, and we still do that. Like if you look at different flowers, they have different values, not based on how easy they are to grow or how abundant they are, but based on status, on how we view them. So you can have something like a carnation, which is very low status kind of flower. And you can have something like a bird of paradise, which is an exotic flower that we see as much more rare and much more beautiful and much more high status. So therefore costs more. What about sweet peas? Are sweet peas high status? (laughs) I don't know. Sweet peas are kind of middle of the road, I think. They smell really nice, though. Okay, but I really like sweet peas because my mom could grow them in Texas. And all the people from England was like, your mom can grow sweet peas in Texas? That's amazing. And so I <laughs> thought they were really special. That, they were. They really were. She was very good at growing them. Indeed. I don't know. That's just, it, it's hard for me to imagine flowers having that much meaning or flower or flower <laughs> power, flower power. Oh, my God. I mean, I guess that's true. I think that this is one thing that's kind of, it's its not just you. Like, I think a lot of people feel this way. And that's one of the reasons why we invest a lot less in flowers. Like, floral design was a huge thing earlier in the 20th century. And as, like, time marched on, it became less of a thing that was culturally interesting. So I don't think it's just you. Like, this this is something that's generally falling out of fashion and is really only reserved for like very special occasion days, Valentine's Day, Mother's Day, things like that, funerals. Weddings. It's not really something that we incorporate into events as much or into daily life as much. Yeah, 
I mean, we have like gardens and stuff, like botanical gardens, and and the White House has a well. No, they have a rose garden, but it's not really a rose garden, is it? I don't actually know. <laughs> it is a rose garden. Yeah. Okay, it is actually a rose garden. I was I thought maybe it was just something they called the rose garden, but it is actually no. A rose yeah, garden. it is a rose garden, and and in like high status events like that, you do often see like complex and expensive floral arrangements, and we see it at things like weddings, but. You know, it used to be that anytime you had a house party or a garden party or something like that, there would be flowers on the table. And that's just not something we really see anymore. And I don't, I don't I'm just saying, I don't think it's just you where you don't really understand how flowers like could mean this much in a culture. I, it's just not something that's particularly uh, and emphasized in our current day culture. I feel like we should have more plants in our lives. I agree completely. Maybe we should start bringing it back. Start using more flowers, people. Put them put them places where you can see them, where other people can see them, and just make the world a greener, prettier place. I agree. One of my favorite things to do uh, in summertime is to walk down to the farmer's market and buy some fresh flowers. And it's so lovely to have like these bright, beautiful flowers in your house for a while. It just ugh, it really brightens your day up. It makes you feel so good. It's pretty cheap because you're buying it directly from the farmer. 10 out of 10. Would recommend summer experience. I'm a really, I'm a summery person and I feel like buying farmer's market flowers is a summery, summery thing. For how long do they last? So when you buy flowers from the grocery store, they're usually going to last you like three to five days about. If you buy flowers from like the farmer's market, if they're well taken care of or from a florist, they'll usually last you about two weeks. Okay. That's... A nice two weeks. It's not very long, but... Two weeks uh, is a long time. Is it a long time? Yeah, that's a while. It doesn't feel like a long time. I mean, it's just... You have those flowers on their your dining room table for two weeks, and then and then they turn brown and gross, and they get little bugs in them. I did not think that this episode would turn into me persuading you that floral design is a worthy trade. <laughs> I mean, that's what I'm here for, is to, is to, like, I have no idea what's going on, and I'm doubting and asking questions, and... <laughs> Sometimes I'm like, oh, hey, that's cool. And sometimes I'm like, what is going on, y'all? Look, it's good. It's beautiful. It smells really nice oftentimes, not always. And I I think two weeks is a long time if you think about, like, these flowers are staying alive for you for two weeks. And they've, like, come from a different continent. Like, these were grown by a farmer not in the U.S. And they were, like, flown here on a plane and... They've lived longer than two weeks in total, but two weeks is a long time to have flowers stay alive. I had no idea you pronounced the T in often. What? And that's a great time to go into the break. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening to this episode of One to Grow On. And thank you so much to our patron, Lindsay. Thank you, Lindsay. Starfruit patron, shout out, big ups. You're amazing. You rock. You rock. If you would like to support the show, but you cannot afford a monetary supportion right now, what is that? That's not a right word. Whatever. It's fine. Then you can go into the iTunes Apple Podcasts app and leave us a review. Yep. And you can say something like, boy, these these folks sure are nice and flowery. And... I think they're very... I can't come up... You got to come up with a pun for me. I can't get it. They, they're they nice and flowery and they smell nice too. Yeah. Say that we smell nice on Apple Podcasts. 
so that it's in the record and we'll know it forever and it will always be true. And we'll know you listen to this episode <laughs> exactly. And it will always be true. And that will mean if we get enough reviews that say we smell nice, then it means we'll never smell bad again. And I don't want to have to shower anymore. So please go do that for me. Thanks very much. And also for the planet. Let's save some water. Okay. But if you don't shower, then you pretty much invalidate their reviews, I feel. No, because their reviews will, will make it true. If you say it, then the nice smells will come. Yeah, that, that's not science. Let's get back to the episode. <laughs> Let's get back to the episode. Okay, so talking about like the production of flowers. So most flowers today are grown in Africa or in South America. In the U.S., almost all of our flowers are grown right outside of Bogota, Colombia. Wow. Yeah, it's wild. Apparently there was like one grad student who like wrote a paper and he was like, Right outside Bogota, Colombia is a really good place to grow flowers. And then he graduated and went to go and grow flowers there. And ever since then, it's like been the place that you grow flowers because this guy was just right. And everyone moved their flower production there. Is he a flower millionaire? I mean, probably. I don't know. <laughs> so uh, we haven't really talked about invasives, but was invasive species kind of a problem with him and other people like going someplace and growing flowers that are nice and maybe not from there? Um, No, not really, because when you grow a flower, then you're not growing the seeds, right? What? Because... Don't you have to have a seed to get a plant that makes a flower? But you're planting the seed and then picking the flower. So if you pick the flower, it won't grow into a fruit because the flower is what grows into a fruit. Oh, you're picking the flower before it grows no, any seeds. It. You got it? I get it. I get okay, it. Cool. I'm okay. I'm on the train. Okay, I'm with you. Going down the tracks. So sometimes you'll plant seeds. Sometimes you just plant like little starts. So you'll plant like... A what? Like little transplants or sometimes okay. you'll plant uh, like a piece of a stem or something and it'll just grow roots and then leaves and it'll grow up kind of like we do for potatoes. So sometimes it's seeds, sometimes it's transplants, sometimes it's just like a piece of a stem or something like that. But are you ready to have your mind a little bit blown? You're going to blow my mind with floral design. Half of the world's flowers are all sent to the Netherlands where they all go to the exact same building. Why? So, okay, so before we had the internet... It was kind of a difficult thing. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> we didn't used to have the internet. Okay. So before we had the internet, it was kind of difficult to, like, get flowers from a farm to a florist, right? Okay. So when, like, if it's, if it's food, then it's a bit easier because you have, like, Dole and you have, like, Campbell's tomato soup. So Campbell's orders, like, this many tomatoes. But with florists, like... You got a much smaller operation generally. Like there, there's a lot of mom and pop shops in the floral design business because you just have higher barrier to entry because you need to do things like personally deliver flowers. So you have to have like drivers that can go around and it just is not super scalable from that sense. So it was kind of hard to get flowers to florists. So the solution was take all the flowers to the same place. So they built this huge auction house 
that's like 60 square miles. Jeez. And they're like, this is where every flower is going to go. And if you want flowers, then you bid on them in this massive 60 square mile auction house. So wait, if, if you're in South America and you ship a flower to the Netherlands mm-hmm. and some florist comes and bids on it, doesn't it like die? No, because it's so fast. So like you cut the flower and then you immediately ship it to the Netherlands and then someone bids on it. And then the there's like little like like trolley guys who like ride these little scooters around and they've got two hours to get that flower onto the correct truck from there. And then that truck takes it straight to the airport and then like it goes straight to, you know, wherever it's going. So usually when florists get their flowers, they're about four days old. That's insane. What do they transport them from the farm to the Netherlands? Like little Star Trek transporters just for flowers? (laughs) No. So we only do that for about half the flowers now because now we have the internet and we also have larger, like more scaled out floral buyers. Okay. So we have like grocery stores, which will buy like mass amounts of flowers. And like you have some some other companies which are buying huge amounts of flowers. And so... So it's only about half of the flowers now. The auction house is like like continually losing less and less of the market share, but it's still like half of the market share, which is huge, but it is probably going to continue to shrink as like, you know, progress continues. Wow. Still though, that's like, uh, I mean, yeah, it's big. That's real big. Yeah. It's, it's really, really big for sure. They got flower power. They got flower power. Except for that they have, you know, continuously less flower power as years go on. I mean, yeah, and it makes sense, but just just the history of it uh, is, yeah, kind of mind-boggling. Yeah, it's really interesting. So some of the things that we have now in terms of buyers, we have grocery stores, and then we also have, like, mail-order companies. So there's things called, like, 1-800-Flowers and Pro-Flowers, and Amazon also has a floral business as well. Um I wish I knew more about this side of the industry. I know a lot based on the evangelizing of my floral design professor. But I do know that like since 1999, there's been a 25% drop in mom and pop florist like storefronts. Okay. So it's a lot of the grocery stores. That's a huge part of it. And then also these mail order flowers are being a bit of an issue. I mean, that's that's not a new thing or or specific to floral delivery it it's, sucks for the mom and pop flor- yeah. flower shop it that's uh, true and you always hate to see that happen but it's that's not a unique thing yeah i mean that's that's true one of the like things that's been particularly frustrating for the industry is if you order flowers from like one of these mail order services or if you get flowers from the grocery store, then like the quality is significantly worse. But that's something that right. consumers either don't know or don't care about. So like you'll have flowers that'll last you like three days instead of two weeks. And so it's very frustrating to like professional florists that 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 the products are kind of be- becoming comparable, even though one is significantly worse quality. Um Florists are probably not ever going to like completely go out of business because it's going to be quite difficult to work one on one with customers for larger events like weddings, uh, mostly just weddings. So weddings are probably going to continue to keep florists in business, but it's going to you know shrink the market a whole lot. I never would have guessed that where you got your flowers from could make a difference in how long they last. 
once you got them. Yeah. I mean, it makes a huge difference because the flowers at your florist are going to be like refrigerated from the moment they get there. And that's not true at the at the grocery store. They want them to be out so that you can see them. And when a flower is not refrigerated, it's going to be respiring at a much higher level. And so it's just going to uh. it's going to be living. Whereas when you put a flower in a freezer, it's just going to be kind of in stasis. It's not really going to be living. It's not going to be breathing and respiring. So, Wow. Well, support your local florist, people. I very much agree with that statement. I currently have like $20 off at my current local florist because I've bought so many flowers there over the years. And they're often like very personable. They're very lovely. Like they give you really good deals because they really care about like you and your customer loyalty because they honestly need you so bad. So uh, I love supporting local florists and floral farmers. Nice. Seeds of Wisdom with Hallie Casey. You said that like six times. You've said no, like No, I said wisdom like- wisdom nuggets. Wisdom nugget knowledge nuggets. <laughs> I don't know what I said. Seeds of wisdom and knowledge nuggets are different. Okay, okay. Those are my two things that I give. That's right. Okay, sounds good to me. This is great. This is just like a really happy episode. <laughs> there are there are like some drawbacks to the industry. Some of them have been resolved, but you know, especially in Colombia, I don't know honestly about the um, the farms in Africa, but in Colombia, where the U.S. gets a lot of their flowers, there have been a lot of labor issues. Oh, come on. There were issues with like child labor. There were issues with farm workers being exposed to toxic chemicals. But in the 1990s, there was a lot of like organizing around floral farm worker labor rights. And a lot of a lot of the workplaces have improved. There's always going to be outliers that are really still abusive to their workers but floral design too yeah floral design too i guess yeah but generally there are a lot of improvements well that's good i don't know i don't know you'd be pretty hard pressed i think to find an industry that where there's not at least some guy trying to abuse his workers right like that's not unique to agriculture (laughs) no it's definitely not um yeah i we, we shouldn't be surprised that it happens everywhere we look yeah it um it is getting better. Like there, generally, there are across the board better workplace environments for most of the floral farm workers in Colombia. There are outliers, but generally things are getting better, which is awesome. Well, what about the biggest flower day ever? Valentine's. Valentine's Day is it the biggest flower day er- ever? I don't actually know. Oh. It really is. is I, mean, it? I don't know if it's like true in like it, all of this. Is it kind of probably. like Halloween is for candy? I mean, I maybe. I think it might even be bigger just because Whoa. people don't really buy flowers other times of the year. So That's like true. proportionally it's huge. And roses like double in price. It's criminal. Is it? Well, it's not criminal. <laughs> but they do they do double in price uh, around Valentine's Day. Yeah, so we're posting this episode on the 12th of February, which is two days before Valentine's Day. So you can wow all your friends with these fun topical facts. So the U.S., it's estimated, spends $3.3 billion on flowers on the 14th of February. Jeez, that's like almost half a wall. Yeah, oh my God. More than half a wall. Yep, true. Too soon, but thanks for that. <laughs> sure. I'm trying to have a fun, positive floral design episode. And you are bringing these politics that I don't even need and want. You're the one that talked about child labor, okay? Look, that's, I mean, relevant and important. 
We got to make space to talk about the social issues because nothing exists in a vacuum. That's true. All right. So 3.3 billion with a B. That's a lot of that's a lot of flower money. So these statistics are coming from 1-800-Flowers. So they might be skewed a little high. They might be maybe saying a few more people are buying flowers because that is in their interest. But according to 1-800-Flowers, in 2016, 63% of floral buying households were under the age of 35. So I don't know what the olds are doing. All these young millennials are out here buying flowers. And I guess the older generations are just not not so interested. I think after a certain age, you just realize that, you know... Death is inevitable and you don't need to see it play out in front of you. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Thanks, kid. Yeah, no problem. (laughs) Um, In 2015, apparently 18% of women sent themselves flowers on Valentine's Day. Oh, see, I saw that and I thought that maybe they just, these are people that liked buying flowers, but. No, it's on Valentine's Day. I thought that too uh, as well, but no, it's on Valentine's Day. I wonder, I wonder if that's, uh, I need some, it's Valentine's day, therefore I need flowers. Or if it's like, I want it to look like people are sending me flowers. I mean, it's gotta be a little bit of both, right? Yeah, probably. So then the, the final fact I will give you to wow your friends with is of the 124.6 million households in the U.S., it is predicted this year that 43 million of them will buy flowers on Valentine's day. Wow. That's uh, that's a lot of flowers, y'all. Yeah. Are you going to buy flowers on Valentine's Day, Dad? Nope. Are you going to f- buy flowers at all in February? Uh, maybe. You know, we're going out of town next week, and, and maybe I'll buy your mom a flower while we're out of town. Or maybe, like, after Valentine's Day and all the prices have calmed down, <laughs> I'll get us some nice, what do you call it, dining room table flowers. That's 16th of February, Rose Crash. There you go. It's, well, we used to buy, you know, post-Valentine's Day candy for half off. Did you know there's not going to be any candy hearts this year? No, I didn't know that. Why yeah. is that? So NECO went out of business and they were <gasps> bought. No! Yeah, NECO went out of business and they were bought by the people who make dum-dums. But there was, like, not enough time before, like, dum-dums bought NECO to, like, actually produce all the candy hearts. So there's going to be no candy hearts this year. I liked the wafers, too. No, you did not. I did. I like Necco wafers. I mean, I don't eat them anymore because I hardly ever eat candy anymore. What is appealing about that candy? No, it's just like it's a little circular wafer of goodness. Of chalk, of chalky badness, of disgusting. Chalky goodness. not good. You cannot change my mind on this. Fine. You sit over there and be stubborn. I just remembered I have a nature fact. Oh, my gosh. End of the episode nature nature fact. Please tell us. All right. So... The movie Bambi, uh, which was not a great movie, in my opinion, but... I disagree, but fine. It had a character named Flower. Yes, the skunk. And do you know who played Adult Flower, who did the voice for Adult Flower? When was Adult Flower? When was that in the movie? I don't know. I'll have to... I'm just looking at IMDb here. I'll have to go back and watch it. I actually kind (laughs) of want to go back and watch it just to hear this voice. Who was it? Sterling Holloway. No joke. Listener, if you don't know, Sterling Holloway was the voice of Winnie the Pooh. Yeah, and probably one of Dad's favorite like voice actors. Yeah, he's great. He was also uh, Ka in mm-hmm. The Jungle Book, and that's all I can remember right now. And uh, 
as far as live action goes, he was in an episode of The Twilight Zone. So there you go. Oh, I didn't know that. That's great. Good nature fact. Thank you very much. Oh, well, you got to do the jingle now. <laughs> da 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 nature, nature fact. fact. All right. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of One to Grow On. If you'd like to support the show, please rate and review us on iTunes or consider donating to our Patreon at patreon.com slash one to grow on pod. If you'd like to connect with us, find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at one to grow on pod. The show is hosted by me, Hallie Casey, and Chris Casey. It's produced by Catherine Arjay and Hallie Casey. Our music is Something Elated by Broke for Free, and our show art is by Mariah Coley. Be sure to check out the next episode in two weeks. But until then, keep on growing. Bye, everybody.